Ingers. Nitroid. Days ahead. Apache Smash. This is Solid Snake. And I contacted you by Kodak because I have a mission for you. To interview David Hader. It's going to be life-threatening and occasionally confusing, but I want you to hang in there. And if you're ever thrown off, just remember, everyone, you're pretty good. I'm Nitroid. You're listening to the Kojima Frequency. Hey, David, can you hear us? I can hear you. All right. Oh, man. Get you waiting, huh? (laughs) Just a little bit, but we'll forgive it. I appreciate that. (laughs) Hey, I've also got uh, really annoying music in my head. Is there a way to get rid of that? Uh, yeah, there should, there should be a little, uh, music, uh, note there down at the bottom. It's like two eighth notes. You know how I know you're a music nerd? <laughs> uh, yeah, those are eighth notes, but, and it's on mute, but it's still, uh, playing in my ears. All right, no music? Much better. There we go. All right. Yeah, it was like a hellish, uh, it was like a hellish uh, Muzak from the grocery <laughs> store in hell. Was, uh... Get it together, Discord. Right? A little, little Muzak to loosen you up a little. <laughs> yeah. Well, we'll see. We'll see about that. What's up, guys? Oh, man. Nothing much. It's just literally, it's just been one thing after another. And just when we had a moment to breathe after last weekend, you come here, David, and we're back to the action, I guess. Now, now you can no longer breathe. <laughs> Damn it. Well, thank you for having me. This is very exciting. Yeah, I really appreciate you taking the time to sit down and chat with us. Uh, we know a, a lot of, uh, you know, podcasts or panels and stuff try to hit you with, like, the direct Metal Gear questions or just, you know, hit you with, like, how do I get into voice acting? But we kind of wanted to have, like, a whole different conversation with you. We got a, we got a bunch of different topics here to go over, so... All right, fantastic. Yeah, hopefully this doesn't. Hopefully this isn't one of those conversations where you're like, oh, I'm, I'm answering this for the 80th time, you know? Well, I don't mind either way. It's all good. Cool. Have you ever taken inventory about how many podcasts you've actually done? No, but I, I, you know, I would feel bad, and so I'd just sort of do them all, and then I'd realize, you know, they only had like eight followers or something, and I was like, you know. Not not that I want to be snobby, but just it was taking up a lot of my time. So sure. I started doing far fewer. Also, I you know I just I, as you say I didn't want to be repeating myself again and again. I thought I'd make myself more mysterious. So that was my <laughs> that was my aim. Well, yeah, you got to pick your shots. That's right. That's right. But no, I have no idea how many. Well, uh, you did just announce you're, you're going to be coming to uh, MGS Con too. Here, you're going to be going to be there in, in person. I am. Yeah, I'm very excited. Yeah, it was definitely a good time last year. It was it was awesome that you did the uh, the drop in codec call. That was a really fun surprise for the people that were there. Uh, oh yeah. Well, it was yeah. I was so bummed I couldn't make it, but I had already booked this trip to Portugal, and and so yeah, I was sitting in a hotel lobby in Portugal, meowing like a cat in front of everybody. <laughs> it was pretty damn good. Yeah. 
Well, hopefully uh, that'll that'll hit all of its goals here. I mean, it, they uh, they did like the funding recently for it. We we've got like a Kickstarter going all month for it, and they hit like twenty k, like the full you know pretty much the full base budget there in like the first three hours. So you know we've got stretch goals on there now. Uh, like Cynthia Harrell coming. Uh, she said she's really excited that. to see you. By the way, <laughs> yeah, no, I uh, that would be amazing. Nice to have everybody together. Yeah, trying to make it a big old party. It is kind of funny how we went from last year where it was kind of like barely kind of inching it. And then I guess everybody saw how good of a time we had. So they immediately were like, we need to have this happen again. We need to be a part of this. So funding happened immediately. Yep. And then we're we're going to be in Long Beach. Um, God bless the LAX Hilton and its <laughs> lack of AC. But we are moving on to greater things. Um, and on that note of Cynthia, yeah, I would love to see Cynthia again because, uh, David, I don't know how aware you are of this, but, um, Cynthia was actually, uh, in, in, um, Maryland at, uh, the music and gaming fest. And we were, we were happy to have a few moments with her and she is fucking awesome. Just a great person, (laughs) like gamer auntie, um, just, just a totally good time. I mean, y'all got to have a steak dinner with her and Gene Park. I mean, I was I was sitting there like, oh man, I'm so sorry, I had to miss this. This sucks, but y'all uh, y'all definitely made up for it because I got a happy birthday sung to me by her not once but twice. So that was you know during Apache stream nonetheless too. It was just it was really cool to be on the uh, other end of that. So thank you guys for that. That was an amazing birthday gift. <laughs> That's amazing. Yeah. So yeah, we're definitely trying to get her there. We're, we're going to be doing, you know, just fun stuff on stream all month to uh, help raise some more money for that. So we're definitely looking forward to seeing you there, man. It's, it's going to be fun. And, you know, yeah. putting together that little trailer for it was was really cool. You know, just making that whole, you know, in the raid MGS2 sound for it and stuff and <laughs> mixing that down. So yeah, you did a great job. Oh, I appreciate that, man. Yeah, thanks for recording that for us. Yeah, so um, the dinner, the dinner was to celebrate her birthday, which was this past Monday. Um, and to celebrate, uh, Gene Park, um, you know, uh, completing his chemo, um, and no longer needing it. And, um, she, uh, she actually, even though it was her birthday, she gave me a gift. Um, it was a gold, little gold, uh, snake pinky ring. And it's the coolest fucking thing I've ever had. She wore it during her tour through Tokyo last year. Um, and if anybody tries to take it, I will kill them. So thank you again, Cynthia, for that jewelry. It means so much. I'm surprised she's not listening in. She normally comes in and listens in with all the Patreon people ever since we had the episode with her. She just likes to kind of hang out and right the one t- the one time <laughs> she might be resting from partying on at Apache's 12 hour stream last night. She yeah. was she was giving us a little bit of commentary there, but she might jump in. Yeah, I was like, she, she might drop in. Who knows? Well, I, that would be very exciting. <laughs> Sorry, we're still kind of working out the nerves here. This is yeah. Uh, oh yeah, David. I've got to be honest with you. Um, yeah. Many years ago, you were a, um, a, like a Comic Con clone in, in Manchester, in England. Uh huh. At the time, I uh, I wasn't involved in any of this stuff. I didn't do any community like Metal Gear Online stuff. But I still loved the games. Um, since since I was a little kid, and I was I was so so excited to go because you were there. And, and when I went, like, I was so nervous to, to, like, talk to you that I didn't even get in the line to come and get your autograph because <laughs> Aww, I was like, I can't, I can't do it. And and I was thinking, like, oh, now I'm fine. I, you know, David Hayter will be fine. And now I'm sat here and I'm so nervous. <laughs> you didn't you didn't realize you still wouldn't be fine. Um, well, please, I'm afraid the reality is no match for the legend. <laughs> <laughs> nice. 
It's uh, I'm not prepared for this emotionally. <laughs> Just thank you for being so cool. Thank well, thank you for your appreciation, my friend. But never to you or to anybody else, never be afraid to come up and say hello. Uh, I enjoy that quite a bit. Yeah, that's uh, that's one thing I've noticed with you. You know, like either whether it be online or you know in person and stuff, or just people talking about it. Like just your your eagerness to like just you know get down and like say a solid snake line for somebody, or just you know to to just like somebody's post or something. You you really go like the extra mile to interact with the fandom and you know, even sitting down and talking with us, it just really shows like, you know, how much you care about the series and, you know, the, the character. And it's it's really cool of you to, to you know, be like that. <laughs> I, I love that you kind of, by the way, I love that you kind of just dropped in that Guyver uh, avatar. I did. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God, I just saw that. <laughs> my avatar was ridiculous and I'm like, I could, I could do better than that. Yeah. <laughs> um, oh, sorry, continue. Yeah, you know, uh, this is, I always say that the, what I've got is the ideal level of fame. You, you know, I've got <laughs> millions of people around the world who think I'm awesome and, you know, will come up. But but I, but I it's not like being Tom Cruise. It's not like being internationally famous. I mean, like like movie star famous. It's just, it's just a pleasant amount. So when people come up, you know, uh, I want to give them as, as much of the experience as they can get because it, it, it's not it's not overwhelming for me. I, I, the other night I met Helen Mirren. Um, uh, I was at a, a screening and somebody introduced me and, uh, you know, that was, I was just like, Oh my God, this is just an international mega mega star. And, you know, somebody like that, I, I couldn't even imagine being that famous, you know, and I, at that point I would probably be a little more shut, shut off, but you know, when I get to be famous, it's lots of fun for me. And, and, um, I get to, you know, and I have this this voice that people know, and it makes people happy. So it's sort of like being Homer Simpson. It's kind of fun. <laughs> you're you're more embedded in Hollywood. I mean, so like, did, does it ever become normal? Just sort of like rubbing elbows with with big stars, and and just like, is there ever is there a point where you're like, oh, this is just normal. This is my life now. Or does it always sort of? Are you always still sort of starstruck by it? Well, it's funny you say that because I rubbed her elbow, and she didn't find that normal <laughs> at all. She was like. <laughs> It's like, my goodness, what are you up to? Um, uh, do I ever feel, it, it depends on the person. I mean, like, I, yeah, I've been here, I've been in Hollywood for 30 some odd years and I've, I've met, you know, just the top of the top A-list people. And some of them, you know, it's no big deal. And some of them, it really shakes me up and, and uh, you know, it's it's a little startling. Like, you know, I'm a big fan, but not not like crazy big, but I met Nicole Kidman. and she was so beautiful in person and so, and her skin was just glowing like a movie star. I <laughs> yeah. found myself a little intimidated and in a way I, I didn't expect. So it depends on who you meet. Oh, and then I was at the Comic-Con and I was, wa I was walking with my daughter. It was in LA and I was walking past the green room and she goes, I was walking to the green room and she goes, oh my God, Keith David is in there. And I immediately shifted left and I was like, oh, I can't, I can't handle that. Like that's, <laughs> that's too much coolness for me to deal with. But eventually I, I worked up my courage and said hello. We sat down and chatted and he was awesome. And so, yeah, some people really uh, put the zap on me. I'm just glad to hear Keith David's awesome in person. Yeah. <laughs> oh my God. He was, he was so cool. And I, I have a, uh, well, I shouldn't really say that. Uh, we have a mutual connection uh, on a secret project I'm on, so he was he was happy to chat with me. Nice. Yeah. yeah and speaking of Guyver, I see you've got you've got the uh, the showing in uh, 
February the 2nd. Yeah. Yeah, February 2nd at the Frida Cinema. Um, it's like a 30-year anniversary showing of Guyver Dark Hero. And Steve Wang's going to be there. Kathy Christofferson, uh, Bruno, I think Chris Michael's going to make. Like, I mean, it's just like a whole bunch of the cast and crew are going to have some props and stuff. And it's turned, I'm bringing like 20 people from the movie. And, <laughs> oh, uh, that's awesome. And it's going to be a pretty cool, uh, pretty cool event down in Santa Ana. Man, of all the properties that need a video game, you know? I agree. I agree. <laughs> that would be a good one. It's interesting because it's, I got into that film because it was like, oh, like the guy who plays Snake is on there. And <laughs> it ended up becoming sort of like a, a comfort watch for me. I, I, I try, I'm trying to avoid use, using the word cult classic. Um, oh, please. Uh, I'll take but it. I, I I would love to see yeah if it's getting screenings now it's, it's as far as I'm concerned it's about time, um, but I'd never known the property I just really loved it as like kind of a uh, a nice little early for for the record my my parents named me after uh, Highlander if you want to get a perspective of how I feel about films around that genre, that age but um, are you named Connor McLeod of the Clan McLeod? Yes, I'm, my middle name is Connor, and my mother oh, yeah. named me that after Connor McLeod. Nice. So, uh, yeah, I love films sort of with that sort of same vibe, and uh, I have it on Laserdisc. I don't know where I found that. It was a drunk purchase in college, but, but <laughs> I cherish it dearly. Nice. Well, I appreciate the support. I, I don't make any money off the DVD, but I, I'm glad you, uh, I'm glad you got it anyway. What's the slice on Laserdisc these days? <laughs> right. right? <laughs> Bet you it's worth a. Worth a bunch. Hey, those had good audio. Indeed. All right. So I do want to ask you on the subject of projects that you work on. Mm-hmm. I am. I am. A, a, I work full time. I've got two kids. I barely ever get to watch TV, let alone play games or do anything that isn't just, you know, family stuff. Sure. And I regret to tell you, I have not seen a single episode of Warrior Nun. Oh, well, that's all right. I mean, that's a bit. It sounds like a hollow life to me, but it's not, <laughs> I've, I've seen all of it, by the way. It's not mandatory, but uh, I want to I want to hear your your sell on why I should watch Warrior Nun. Well, I mean, it was a show that we created out of sheer love. Uh, the characters came together beautifully. It was my first it was my first um time working in a writer's room like not writing on my own for a project and that was an amazing experience it was just all these great writers and came up with all these things and then um i you know i just think the show came together in a way that exceeded our expectations on every level and then in in season two we were like okay now we're going to now we're going to amp it up to 150 and all killer no filler and uh and the second season i think is even better i think that it's um it looks as good as as shows that cost five times as much um like we just we just wrote these massive sequences and and heists and all sorts of things and and i just kept expecting uh simon barry our showrunner to say okay now we got to cut all that stuff to fit the budget and we never did we never cut anything you know it's just like what we got away with was astounding um so it's done with great love uh obviously had a huge impact worldwide on on the fans and and uh, it's just something i'm proud of 
But like I say, it's not mandatory. It's just only if you if you like good things in your life, you should try it. <laughs> <laughs> Nitro's just a busy man. He's just well, you got two kids. I mean, like, yeah. what are you gonna do? <laughs> yeah. Should have should have thought of that before you had the kid. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I could have I could have been watching Warrior yeah. Nun. Damn like, it. am I going to be able to catch haters un, unnamed unplanned show? You know, if I do this. But That's why it's important to plan ahead. It is important. Yeah. <laughs> I, I don't have kids, and I've seen Warrior Nun. <laughs> right. With, with those implications, it sounds like you're still hitting the ground running with writing, uh, which is a good thing to hear. Yeah, well, that's my job. I mean, you know, uh, I've been a working, I mean, thank God, I've been a working screenwriter for 25 straight years, which is very uh, unusual in, in this business. And, you know, people wouldn't, you could, you can't imagine how many things I've written that got made, didn't get made got thrown out, got rewritten, you know, whatever. I mean, just the amount of work has been uh, uh, mind-blowing. And and fortunately, it continues. I've got got a show I sold to Universal right now. Um, uh, I've got got deals at a movie deal at Amazon and and another show deal at Netflix now. So uh, things are things are busy. That's awesome. Yeah, and that, going back to saying, like, you know, when you first came in as as a screenwriter, I mean, that was that was around when like X Men, and you know, you're writing for that and stuff. That was my my big break was X Men. Yeah, that was my first writing oh, job. What a pair of movies those were, man! Like, mm-hmm. that's that was such a, a cool time too, because you know there wasn't too many great comic book movies out at that time. You know, there was you know especially tied to Marvel. But there wasn't a formula. Yeah, like after the the first you know, success of, of the first movie, did they kind of like relax on or, you know, kind of give you more leeway to, and like trust you to kind of do what you wanted with them? I mean, like, like, trust me, this will, this will work or was it? <laughs> no, was it still- <laughs> no, they were worse. Oh, uh, really? Wow. <laughs> yeah. Like the first movie I was like, well, you know, nobody, nobody knew if it was going to work or not. There's all these superpowered characters hadn't really been done before. And, and so I was like, oh, well, it kind of makes sense that they're freaking out about every little detail. No, once it became a hit, they were they were worse. I mean, it was just every every little idea was analyzed to death and questioned and <laughs> whatnot. Uh, but I mean, you know, we had a um, we had Brian Singer, who's a big director, and you know, if we all loved an idea, Brian would make sure it got through. But if not for you know, if we didn't have an A list director, they'd have walked all over us. It would have been a terrible, terrible movie. Yeah. I love that that trivia you dropped on on Twitter the other day, talking about just Magneto's helmet and you know how you guys are all just sitting on set like, well, uh, well, shit, like <laughs> I guess <that> right. <laughs> I'm like, oh, I better come up with something. Uh, yeah, yeah. So we, yeah, the, somebody was asking about how we decided that Magneto's helmet should block Charles Xavier's telepathic powers, and uh, it was either that or they, Xavier and Magneto could never meet up. Yeah, <laughs> just make him go to sleep. Just, yeah, and some and some people, you know, some people pointed out they're like, well, he did that against Juggernaut in the 1990s cartoon show, but I never saw the 90s cartoon show. I just read the comic books, and so I wasn't aware of that. We were lucky to hit on the same uh, solution eventually. Yeah, hearing other little small things like with the screenplay about you know Wolverine just just having having a beer, you know, not not specified. Oh yeah, it's like those little small details like that. Like hearing about that, I, I just really appreciate stuff like that. That's- yeah, I, I mean, I think on the day he just said, "I'll have a beer" because we didn't want to specify a brand. But 
Um, but everything I said about it being cool for various reasons remains true. I mean, I was there and I could have said, yeah. <laughs> look, he, you know, he should order something specific, but, uh, but that was the calculus I made in my head that, that, you know, this guy bartender, he might've seen him before. He might've been drinking throughout the night. Like all the implications made sense. Yeah. So a beer is good enough <laughs> and it was Canada. Wow. So the beer is going to be good. Yeah. <laughs> What's your favorite? Favorite? Um, is my favorite. That's my favorite. Uh, <laughs> I've got a few. It's a big like, question. Like uh, Mill Street Brewery, Upper Canada Lager. Um, I was going to say Steam Whistle, but that always gives me a headache. I don't know. There's a, there's a, <laughs> there's a, there's a bunch. Actually, my fa- I, I shouldn't say this as a Canadian, but my favorite beer is Japanese, uh, Asahi and uh, Sapporo. Yes! Yes! Yes. Is that what we ordered at uh, Orichon that no. day, Nitroid? No, we had Kieran. Kieran. Uh, okay. Uh, Ichiban. Kieran is also good, but it's my third favorite. Real quick, just side detour. So it is Orichon ramen that, that you kind of champion, right? Uh, yeah, I love Orichon ramen. I think it's... Oh, okay, cool. Because me and Nitroid made a specific trek when we were out in LA last time. To, we were like, we need to we need to eat the ramen. Like, you, you had been there before, right, Nitroid? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, during uh, E3 one year. Yeah, that was, uh, that was definitely top tier... I hope I hope you enjoyed it. Yeah, I mean it's, it's yeah, really, no, it was great. really it was unique fantastic. and the flavors of it are incredible. And yeah, I yeah. like Orichon ramen. Shout out Orichon. I'm not eating that hot stuff though. Screw that. Yeah, <laughs> I, I saw the faces of the people who did that on the screen, and and no, no. Oh no 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 no. I, I I had a buddy who did. So what he's talking about is at Orichon the spiciest ramen. They come one two three, but the spiciest one for for reasons which will become clear is the spicy number two and they call it that because the next day <laughs> it continues to be spicy oh, um so uh and it's so spicy that if you eat the whole thing you end up on the wall of fame or shame or, or yeah intest- intestinal and they all, uh, they're lesions. all crying too like they look like they've been through war well i had a buddy of mine who did it and he ate he ate it all and he this is the guy that you can just dare him to do anything and he'll do it uh so he did the spicy number oh, two, and then we went to play poker, and three hours later, his face was still beet red and yeah. sweat pouring down his face. I mean, like, it's brutal. Yeah. I'm normally all about it, but we ha- I had a flight the next day, and I was just like, I'm not going to do that to myself. Like, I'm just right. going to go with the three. You were going to get hotter. I had to talk you down. I was like, dude, no, however hot you think, like, go go a step down. Yeah. I, I was like, let me get the three. <laughs> yeah, good call. Like, don't I- do it. Yeah, I always get the three myself, but uh, yeah, it was good. But the two, God, will kill that's you. good. <laughs> it is good, and then you eat it, and then like two days later, you're like, "Oh my god, I wish I had was still eating that." <laughs> I know it's that's fantastic. So that's Orichon Ramen downtown L.A. at Little Tokyo. Yeah, great. Which stuff. is just the most fun place. <laughs> yeah, <but laughs> just don't stray too far. No. Oh yeah, no, yeah. Don't, don't go around the yeah. corner; they'll skin you and eat you. <laughs> Yeah, we were we were we, we were trying a, to figure out where to go. We almost got, got mugged by like a double dragon villain. We were like, "Oh shit!" Right. Like, he had a bike chain wrapped around his hand. Literal bike yep. chain wrapped around his hand. We we're like, "All right, we got to get out of here. Call the lift." Oh my god! We look at we look at the map and we're like, "Oh, we're a block from Skid Row. Maybe we need to turn around." <laughs> yeah, yeah, you got to be careful in that area. So, uh, I, you know what? I'm just gonna. I'm just going to come in with a story here. So I just actually poured myself a mimosa with uh, Kirkland's lemonade or Kirkland's uh, champagne. Not sure if you're aware of Kirkland's uh, 
It's a brand of Costco. No, I'm not. Um, for those who don't know about Costco, Costco is famous for their $1.50 hot dog. <laughs> there is an urban legend that the CEO of Costco threatened to kill people if they decided to up the price. That's true. Yeah, it's not an urban legend. He said that. Okay, well, the reason I'm saying all this is it's in my head canon that David Hayter did the same thing, but to keep the intro for Watchmen, um, that those intro, those sweet intro credits. Uh, is that true, David? Did I threaten to kill someone to keep the intro <laughs> credits? For Watchmen, yeah. To watch, to the movie? No, um, no, I believe the story was, I mean, the story as I heard it, because I was, I was only on set while they were shooting for like three days, so I wasn't there for the whole production, but uh, uh, I was told that Zack Snyder came up with the, you know, the incredible opening credit sequence of of Watchmen, um, which is one of the great opening credit sequences of all time, as far as I'm concerned. Uh, and agreed. And Warner Brothers said, "Why do? Why are we paying all this money for that? We don't need this, whatever." And so Zach said, "Just take it out of the script, and I'll just I know I know what I want to do." And he just shot it on his own, which I don't know what that means, how that's possible. He recreated the Kennedy assassination among a million other things. I, I, I don't know how it was done, but uh, that was entirely Zach's magic and. I'm sure I've threatened to kill people over less, but that that was not uh, that was not an issue. Yeah, I just I I that's another film I love, um, and I, I you know from both a writing and directing perspective, I I can't believe um, both you and Snyder pulled that off. Um, yeah, me but, too. Uh, <laughs> just just wanted to let you know that that was my headcanon, and I will try to diminish it now that I've confirmed that is not the case. <laughs> No, no, I I was not there to defend the the title sequence, sadly, but it got through. Anyways. Although, speaking of wanting to kill people, how? Would, what are your thoughts on the AI stuff? I've been wanting to pick your <laughs> well, brain. Those people about are this already dead. Wise. I mean, like, there's no yeah, there's nobody to uh, either. They've got no soul, or they're a computer. So God, yeah, I've seen you talk about it a bit. Yeah. What's my feeling? I mean. It, you know, it's it's new technology. Everybody gets very excited about it. Um, you know, everybody's like immediately saying to me, oh, we won't need screenwriters anymore. We don't need voice actors. I think that's nonsense. I just don't think. Yeah. Um, like, for example, I'm working on a film right now and the producer sent me a an outline that he generated through A.I., and said, oh, here, Lord. take a look at this and, you know, see if anything, if it sparks anything or whatever. And I went through and I was like, yes, these are the obvious elements you would put into a movie like <laughs> this. Like, I mean, it's just the most basic ideas, yeah. no creativity, no, no nothing. And, and I've seen that happen a few times. It's learning technology. Maybe it'll get, maybe it'll figure out what, what, what talent is. I think that that's what's missing. You know, the, the initial. Well, it's not, well, it's not thinking original it's spark just, it's of just talent. a language processor yeah but i mean is it possible that the computer can can figure out what talent is what good writing is from bad writing i don't think yeah. that's the case right now and i think it's the same thing with any creative endeavor so um i think people will play with it i think the studios and developers will think oh this will be a great shortcut i think they'll find the shortcomings of it and you know down the road maybe it'll be something but uh what I am excited about is the ability uh, uh, for AI to like 
map the human genome to figure out every cancer fighting agent to figure out yeah how yeah. to undo muscular dystrophy you know like like you know massive physics problems things like that i'm very yeah, excited there's good about. applications for it yeah but yeah. if you're using it to replace elias tufexis's voice with a computer then you're making a mistake yeah yeah you know well i mean it's it is a scary question though because if you know you, you say can it learn what talent is but that sort of presumes that talent can be sort of algorithmically defined. Right. And I don't know that that's the case. Uh, you know, I think that determining quality in entertainment or in literature and movies or whatever is a human thing. I think we all know it yeah. when we see it. Um, but it's so ephemeral and it's so difficult to pin down in advance. Everybody wants to be brilliant when they're writing something from the ground up. And sometimes it's brilliant and sometimes it's not. And, and, so I, it's a, you know, like I say, it's, it's ephemeral, it's difficult to, to define. And because it's a learning algorithm, it's going to be swallowing all this crap along with, along with the Godfather or Shakespeare or, or whatever. Uh, and I think that that will bring the quality down. I, I don't think you'll be able to define quality with it, but who knows? I am, I am waiting for that sort of event horizon where the LLMs just sort of continually consume just more LLMs and it becomes like an Ouroboros of of just generated data. What is an LLM? Right, well, it starts... Or large language model. LLM. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or LLM, sorry. Yeah. yeah. It's, yeah, it's... it. The, the short version is these things understand the rules of the English language without actually knowing what any of it means. So if you say two plus two equals, well, it's going to look at a list and say, oh, four is the common answer. But it doesn't actually understand that two plus two equals four. It just knows that four is what you expect to hear. That's yeah. how these work, just in a very complex way. They're not thinking. Yeah, and that's and that determination is so far from you know, writing a great line of dialogue to know to knowing that when Roy Scheider says you're going to need a bigger boat, what an impact that's right. going to have on the movie and, and, you know, how cool that is to say in that moment, you know, you can't. To a degree, it's not even something you can teach. There's that there's that one like famous anecdote about Mario Puzo, who like the, the Godfather was the first screenplay he ever wrote. Right. 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 And then later when he tries to go and sort of like learn, I, okay, I well, what am yesterday. I supposed to do as a screenwriter? Yeah, yeah me too. <laughs> he what? Study the Godfather. Yeah. Right. Study. Exactly. Yeah. He gets a book and it says study the Godfather. And he's like, Oh God damn it. <laughs> like, what do you do at that point? But, but, but there's something intrinsic there. Well, I, you know, that, that omits the fact that, and uh, this is what I had on X-Men and, and Watchmen and whatnot to have, uh, 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 you know, a brilliant director next to you telling you what's a screenplay, what's not a screenplay is very, very helpful. You know, uh, like if it's your yeah, first guidance, yeah. Yeah. If it's your first screenplay, you know, what I was learning was what's a level writing and what's B level writing and what's C level writing. And I was doing it all. And then I was taught to, you know, stop writing TV crap. Uh, that's a quote. <laughs> um, and, and I slowly, I started to learn, okay, this is what somebody with taste would want to see in the movie. <laughs> yeah. You know, and again, taste and quality, uh, these are, these are indefinable uh, elements. So how computers are going to pick it up? I don't know. I don't mean to be a Luddite about it, but right now the technology is so crap at creative. Um, I mean, look at all the AI pictures. I don't think you're being a Luddite about it. You know. Just being practical. Yeah, there's definitely always a tell that it's AI. I mean, and that's like, yeah, especially in the music sector, I, I haven't heard anything that's like appealing. It's like, yeah, sure, you're hitting chords and stuff, but this is like 
it's missing the human element. So it just, it, it sucks. Like all of it sucks pretty much. That's where it's at right now. So, you know well, how for yeah. realism we have the uncanny valley? Yes. There, there needs to be a term for, for good taste. Yeah. The, un- the untalented valley. Yeah. Because it's something there, you <laughs> the know? The talent free valley. You're right. <laughs> There's our episode title. Talent no. free valor. Oh man. Uh, yes, I agree. I don't. I don't like it. Yeah, I think I. I, I totally agree. I, I. I don't listen to any AI music. I happen to get. I happened to cross one, and it was. It was fucking Homer Simpson. Wait, there's AI music. Yeah, yeah some. Yeah, oh yeah, so they much. can. They can turn that out all day, but it, yeah, it just. Sucks, oh, like. oh, the the like character sings the. Okay, now. Yeah, 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 I thought so you meant it, like it, fully it, like songs. Well, there is if you want to if you want to hear them. Uh, you know, Grimes, who I I know a little bit. <laughs> uh, she embraced. She was like, "Look, anybody wants to create an AI Grimes song, let me know, and if they're good, I'll I'll put them out." And so. Yeah. So she's been she's just totally embraced it. And I, you know, I haven't heard any of the AI versions of her music, but, um, you know, she seems to be getting behind it. So so I don't know. There's uh, there's tons of different, you know, plugins and applications of like where it's, you know, it's chord generators or, you know, like you, you throw in, you know, a couple variables and it turns out something random. I mean, that that could even be considered AI and that, you know, those tools have been around forever. But it's kind of, you know, it's, it's a tool at the end of the day of like how much of your music is going through this randomizer and how much of it's you throwing stuff down. So And how much of it is based on stolen data. Yeah. And how much of it is perfect and got no edge to it. And I, I, mm-hmm. I'm probably right. misattributing this quote, but somebody like Beethoven said, look, to play the wrong note is forgivable. To play without mm-hmm. passion is not. And you cannot, yes. you can't make a, a computer play without passion. You can make it fake passion, I suppose, but yeah. Um, but that's a really key element to to selling any artistic endeavor is the life mm-hmm. and the soul behind it. And so, if there is none, I don't know if they'll ever get there. Maybe they won't. But they ain't there that's now. That's the paradox. You can't, you can't fake authenticity. And that's that's the big part with you know making electronic music is that it's like you know, if you just program everything in to land perfectly, like you, you can tell it's like, oh, this was programmed. Like, you yeah. know, to, to emulate the human on the drum set, you know, you have those imperfections where milliseconds make a big difference. Yeah, totally. And, uh, you know, just that lateness or the, the snap, you know, whatever you're doing of staying in the pocket, like all that matters. And to just program that is really hard. Like yeah. it's, it's hard to get that human feel. So yeah. I don't think we're going to be, you know, it's, it's not going to be become like uh, indistinguishable. I think we're right now, we're, we're all calling it out for what it is. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not too worried about being replaced just yet. Yeah. Or ever. <laughs> Let's see, Apache, did you want to ask about uh, steak or anything? Or I'm not sure what you what <laughs> Solid steak. Yeah. You Wait, know, what? You... <laughs> okay, I'm in the dark on this one. What are you talking about? All right, all right, David. Um, Here we go. So. <laughs> Let's go. Man. Oh, God. Um, so there's a there's a video that um, Kiefer Sutherland did a bunch of videos during Who? the lockdown. What? <laughs> and Should we lost him. He was. Uh, don't say the was, K uh, word. He played Jack Bauer on Twenty Four. Sorry, you're breaking up. I'm going into a tunnel. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Uh, yes, this I'm is going to segue. This will. This will segue to MGSV. We'll get there. Trust me. I got a plan. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, I, I I love steak. Um, it's my favorite thing to eat. And when you were saying about um, when you have that meal, um, yes. At, at, you you think about it for days afterwards um a few days ago uh me and days ahead had a steak at a restaurant in an we mgm 
I'm for, still thinking about it. For I'm the context, we were celebrating him successfully completing a no-hit Ari to make Leon Damage run at oh, the MAGFest wow. speedrun charity event. And in the same way Leon has a lightning hawk, uh, we got a tomahawk steak, 32 ounce. Uh, and yeah, it's <sighs> unforgettable experience. Um, my wallet will certainly not forget. <laughs> There's this video out there of Kiefer cooking a steak and it's just a mess you know and like you so know, bad when you, yeah. when we compare you know it's like you got the real deal and then you got you know we got venom snake at home type deal right, right but right, like yeah. you know so we, we kind of want to know like with 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 david you know how do you cook a steak i mean is there <laughs> is there some tips that you really need to do because we we watched Kiefer do it and we're like what a mess like i bet david wouldn't cook a steak like this so. well i'm sure i wouldn't i mean i didn't <laughs> i didn't see his horrible technique but uh He's touching the meat and just touching all the other stuff without washing his hands in between. It's just getting, you know, uh, yeah, that's getting sounds, everywhere. That sounds like Jack Bauer. Um, See, I learned how to cook a steak from Letterkenny. Uh, yeah, well, that's probably a good way to do it. Um, I don't look. I'm not much of a cook, but I do. I will grill a steak on on the barbecue. Um, I will. Uh, the only thing I only know one thing about cooking steak, and that is you uh, you put it on the grill. You cook one side until the juices start coming through the other side. Then you flip it until the juices come through again on the top. And then you're pretty much where you need to be. That's about all I know. Um, I know how to eat it because I eat in a lot of really nice restaurants. And and sometimes I'll get like astounding steaks. Or uh, I went to Boa recently and I had a four ounce Kobe beefsteak for $200. And that was pretty tasty oh man did it did it bring a tear to your eye when you were eating oh it? yeah i mean it was yeah it was, it was <laughs> just, just melts so melty and delicious and the flavor was incredible and it was so rich you could only eat four ounces of it i mean it was it was amazing how do you order it usually medium rare um there you go medium nice. rare grilled onions sauteed mushrooms okay horseradish on the side and a probably a dirty martini to go with you're just saying all the right words right now. God, that sounds so I've around, good. I, I've been around a while. I, I know how to live, you know. <laughs> yeah, this is kind of the information we wanted to get. I'll know? tell you a great story. So, um, well, I hope it's a great story. The first night, the first night that Patrick Stewart arrived on the X-Men set, he, we, we all wanted to. I already to, love this story. Yeah. We, we were in Toronto and we wanted to take him out for dinner. And so it was me and um, the X-Men guys, Halle Berry, uh, Famke Jensen. Famke was. Sorry, I love her. Yeah, Famke was there. Her. I think he. I don't think he had been cast yet. Uh, and Patrick Stewart. So I order a dirty martini, and I'm sitting next to Patrick, and it comes, and you know, it's all cloudy, and he he says, "Oh, well, what's that?" And I said, uh, "I said, oh, it's a dirty martini. It's a it's just a vodka martini with uh, olive juice in it." And he's like, "Oh, oh never." Never encountered such a thing before. And I said, uh, I said, would you like to try it? I, I hadn't tried it yet. And I was like, would you like a sip? And he goes, oh, yes. And so, so he tries it. And he goes, hmm, it's a bit like uh, swimming with your mouth open, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. I can't believe you're on here doing impressions of Patrick Stewart. This is the best fucking day of my life. Oh, yeah. <laughs> we got a bunch of uh, Trek fans in here for sure. They, uh. They love uh, oh, yeah. TNG. We, we literally sit in Discord and watch TNG all day. Sometimes. As you, as you so. should. Make it so. <laughs> <laughs> it's like comfort food for the and soul. Then, and then Ian McKellen was, was like, 
That martini, you shall pass! <laughs> That's what she said. Oh, this is great. So there you go. So that was a little story from the X-Men days. That's awesome. That's going to be all I think about when I watch it now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, it's a bit of swimming with your mouth open, isn't it? <laughs> he's, a, he's a clever character. Yeah. <laughs> we promised that segue into uh, MGSV. You know, we we saw you, you you came around and you you know you're playing it now and having a good time. It looks like. Uh, yeah. What do you What do you think of that? MGS five. Yeah. I'm pr- I'm pretty obsessed. Like I'm yeah. playing. I'm you know so I I don't know when I tweeted that I started but I'm 19% of the way into the game I'm doing every single mission I was waiting for nice. my dog to grow up like uh, you know <laughs> I'm taking taking showers at the base I mean it's like it's I I'm, I'm flipping all my coworkers onto the onto the mat uh yeah. it's, it's fantastic it's cathartic you know it's it's um you know the voice is is whacked but uh <laughs> but the gameplay so we got mods for that right but the gameplay is uh is the best I, I, it's so good so yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm really loving it it's great that's awesome yeah there definitely do exist mods out there that you know replace all the lines and just you know kind of throw them around but right. uh no uh, yeah you're right the, the gameplay loop itself is just it's a fun time i mean it just you know you can kind of go about and do whatever you want and kind of approach situations how you like. And, you know, yeah, it, once you kind of get locked into that game, it definitely takes a, a few months of your life if you let it. So, yeah, it's really, I, I'm really impressed. And, and, uh, it's not as much of a bummer to hear the snake as I thought it would, uh, would be. So nice to make peace with it. Yeah. He doesn't talk too much. So, well, indeed. yeah. And it is, it's such a departure from, from, you know, like the narrative kind of delivery system that we were used to with the other games. I mean, just having to kind of piece together the story and, you know, listen to some tapes when you're sitting there chilling in the helicopter or whatever, it's, you know, it's, it's different. It, it, uh, it, it turned a lot of people off just on, on that alone. Just like, I, you know, we, we kind of like the, the linear style of the, the old Metal Gears for sure when it comes to storytelling. So well, that's more Metal Gear, but you know, yeah, but they're, you know, they were just stuck. They were like, you know, Kiefer's never going to record for nine months. Yeah. <laughs> Not going to happen. Yeah. It's, it takes a long time to record a proper Metal Gear game. So I knew that when they cast him, I'm like, I'm like, he's never going to put in the time that I put in, like ever. So what mm-hmm. are they going to do? And then, so these are all the things they had to do. Yeah, he says like eight lines. Right. <laughs> I'm already a demon. <laughs> See, I want to yeah. hear that version. <laughs> I want to hear it too. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, what did, have you heard some of the lines and just like looked at it from like a from a screenwriting like you know or from that angle? Well, I always do. Like, I always do that. I mean, there's always like yeah. crazy dialogue in every game that I'm like, really, we're gonna say this, but then, but then it's Metal Gear, so you just say whatever wacky yeah. thing they've written and 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 you go on. Uh, but delivery wise, I'm like, I'm like, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> You know, can we get a different take on that? Plus, also, I can hear like when he when he reins up the horse, he's like, whoa, whoa. And then and then he's got like two things that he says because they only recorded two. Yeah, <laughs> we, can't afford, we can't afford more takes. Right. So uh, so stuff like that cracks me up. But I am but I am I am running the dialogue in my head. Like if it's something significant, I'm like, how would I have done that? And then I do it. and I'm like, oh, my God, that's so much better. You know? 
I, I'm playing around. I mean, I, I, I it, it's true, yeah. but I am, but I am, uh, uh, but I am we, joking. We get you. We get you 100%. <laughs> I think we did that all in our heads, too, to be honest. Yeah, yeah, yeah. we're like, well, David said yeah, like, a little on bit. this part. And, I mean, yeah, when that, when that game was coming out, you know, everybody had this idea of like, well, what if at the end, you know, it's Big Boss coming out and, you know, showing his real self and, you you know, they have that matchup with Silent Snake. and Spoilers, man. You know, there is the surprise of David Hayter and there's all these what ifs. Of, I, I, I know the spoilers yeah. I, I believe me, people have told me the spoilers for oh, yeah. Yeah. MGS5 yeah. fans. They won't shut up. It's like every time someone gets to that game when they're playing through the series, everyone just like all the all the five fans come out and they're just like, I have to spoil the entire game for you. Right. Well, no, that's um, not what happened. That's what I was I was saying. Like that's that was like a, a wish of the fans of like, you know, would it be cool if David came back and you had these two yeah, voices yeah. going off each other? But like, but that yeah, kind of like, makes it funnier though. I'm just like, so this is, you know, non this is just some dude. <laughs> Yeah, some medic on, some the, on the ground zeros. Yeah, Kaz got played like a fiddle, and then this that is just some and just... dude, and they and they they're like, ah, it's a snake, and yeah, oh my god, it just makes the whole game hilarious to me. I, I think it's almost uh, revolver ocelot, like liquid ocelot, you know, level of of ludicrous. Of where I'm like, okay, what the right, hell? right, <laughs> what's going on here? Right, but I am enjoying it. It's beautiful, and gameplay is yeah. amazing. And it's fun to be snaking about. Yeah. That's awesome to hear that, you know, you're kind of, you know, running the reads in your, in your head, you know, doing the lines and stuff. Just seeing you on the, on the 25th anniversary panel that we did with uh, Chris Zimmerman and Salter, you know, it's just, mm-hmm. it was awesome seeing like the direction and how you would take just one little piece of advice and, or one, you know, bit of direction and just go that way. You know, we got some really good takes that day. It was awesome. Yeah, it was fun. That was, that was cool to show people. Yeah. And nice to give some credit to Chris because she's such a brilliant director and, and mm-hmm. to show the shorthand we've got because we've been doing it for so long together. Yeah. Yeah, the chemistry was really cool there. You could you could tell you guys have done a lot of work together. Yeah. What song do I have playing for my helicopter speakers when it lands? Well, I don't want to ruin any of the songs by playing them too much, but I was playing Only Time Will Tell, uh, which I thought was funny, and Take On Me. Yes. Uh, <laughs> That's a good one. First one was Kids in America, and that was that was pretty fun. So I, I, I like switching it around. Then I put uh, right, uh, Flight of the Valkyries in at one point for full Apocalypse Now atmosphere. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's great. Yeah, and we also just had the, the big uh, Fortnite drop uh, where, where Solid Snake and Old Snake and it looks like uh, Raiden uh, just dropped too tonight, like an hour before we started recording. So it's cool to see just Metal Gear kind of explode everywhere now. You know, we've got a, yeah. a resurgence. <laughs> What's it like seeing waking up and seeing Snake do the Turk dance? <laughs> well, I don't know what that is, but I would imagine it would be pretty damn cool. <laughs> <laughs> don't know what a Turk dance is, but... Uh, uh, Turk from Scrubs. Oh, yeah. Oh, okay. <laughs> don't. Just, if you say it's so. Fine. It's fine. Yeah. It is it is kind of wild though because it's putting these characters in front of uh sort uh, you know a much younger generation that didn't grow up with these games. It's very cool. You know, my my youngest son in particular, I mean, he he is getting it's very strange that he seems to know more about these characters from memes shared among his friends at school than he does from me. Right. Yeah. I'm like well. I'm not sure how to process that. <laughs> Well, that's how kids communicate now through memes. So, I'll take it as long as they're <laughs> as long as they're talking about you. It's like those aliens in TNG who speak through metaphor. Oh wait, I'm sorry. We agreed no Star Trek. Let me move yeah, we on. Uh, speaking of Fortnite, I mad 
respect for them using MGS2 Raiden. Yeah. Uh, I know Rising fans feel some sort of way about it, but I think that we literally argued with one of our MAGFest roomies about how MGS2 Raiden deserves more respect overall. And then we (laughs) see that he was manifested into Fortnite, and it just... I'm so glad he's getting the love and attention he deserves. Enshrined alongside Peter Griffin. Yes. Right. With that skull suit looks so good. That the texturing, the way there's there's little like air pockets around like the rib cage area. Um, I know this is a very snake centric episode. I do apologize, but I just all. needed to call out how good Raiden looked. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm sure they'll snake come up with a, a rising skin for him at some point. Or Revengeance skin, I guess is what we're looking yeah. for. Yeah. The take I keep saying is like, I keep saying, hear, seeing people saying, well, uh, Ryzen's more, the more popular version, so why didn't they use that? It's like, Ryzen is more popular than Metal Gear Solid 2 Sons of Liberty. What kind of hell world do we live in? <laughs> right. That's, that's just, that's just insanity. Yeah. These kids don't get it. Um, yeah. On the topic of MGS2, we're, we're kind of, you know, of course, in this age where we look back on that speech and it's like, oh, yep, here we are. You know, just all this social media stuff has kind of come true. Um, you know, back back when you were first kind of reading that script and going over that, did you did it seem kind of prophetic or was it just like, what what is all this bullshit? Like, did it, did it kind of resonate with you at the time, I guess? Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, I, I am a big. Uh, well, I certainly was a big news junkie. Now the news is so depressing. I. I don't mainline it like I used to, but but when we were making those games, I was really trying to figure out American politics and why they do the things they do. And then I found out, and I was like, "Oh, I'm horrified." Uh, <laughs> but um, but so you know, whenever Kojima was talking about AI or mapping the human genome or privatized military companies, you know, or or smart weapons, I I had already read similar articles. You know, I, I, like we knew at the time things that were mm-hmm. coming, um, but what Kojima did was he just framed it in a way that put us into the future and extrapolated what was coming with those technologies and in such a brilliant and incisive way. And that's part of the brilliance of the games is that they are literally predicting the future. I mean, you, you, if you were mm-hmm. in those eras, like if you were in 1998, you would know that and you knew about mapping the human genome. You'd know that they finally got it done right then and, and that this was going to open the door to all these things. But Kojima so brilliantly just sort of put us, you know, a few decades ahead. And when you do that, when you adapt to reality like that or, or, or prognosticate on where technology is going, it makes the player feel so much smarter and more informed. So if like you're, mm-hmm. if you don't follow the news and you're playing at 17 and then, you know, 10 years later, you're, you're 27 and you're reading about human genomes. You're like, oh my God, I was dealing with that at Shadow Moses 10 years ago, you know? Yeah. It's a, it's a very cool thing. And it's a, and it's a, it's a brilliant way to add like real world issues into your games without, you know, without necessarily being preachy or whatever. It's just, here's mm-hmm. the situation and here's what's coming. And reality is going to be fractured by AI and by, by this and that. And, um, so, uh, so yeah, I've always admired that about the games. It sort of reminds me of like Michael Crichton novels in some ways. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Well, that's exactly right. It's, you know, Michael Crichton, 
knew his science and he knew where things were going. And, you know, he comes up with the Andromeda strain, you know, oh, God, 40, yeah. 50 years before COVID <laughs> or, or, or what right. have you. And, um, and, and now, you know, and scientists are, are literally trying to replicate mastodons and things from the techniques he describes. So, uh, yeah, it really makes, uh, you know, a piece of entertainment so much more profound and, and, uh, and real. When right. What's, what's the term? It's verisimilitude. Verisimilitude. Yeah. Wasn't sure if I was saying that right. <laughs> well, you're not, but it's verisimilitude. Yeah. yeah David got <laughs> it. Fair enough. You got it. I learned. <laughs> but so. you were awfully close and that's the important thing. Yeah. Still a word I have to Google every time we bring it up, but nah, I know what it means now. Right. Um, <laughs> but yeah, that, that is, it's, it, uh, it really does encompass all of that for sure. I mean, MGS2, we, we sit here and talk about it pretty much every episode and kind of bring it back up in one way or another, but the game came out, some dude wrote a college thesis about it. Oh yeah. Well, MGS2's, you know, thesis is really only coming to, to fruition now. I mean, you know, we just launched AI officially a few months ago and, and MGS2 was talking about it in 2003, so... Yeah. We, we don't have to follow that path. We can, we can stop. It's oh, no. <laughs> yeah, well, it's, we're all getting to be old snake. Oh, <laughs> yes. God, yeah. Has any other, like, particular message from the series, like, stuck with you personally? Like, of any of or all the games, like, uh, has anyone just really kind of been, like, the one that kind of stuck out with you? Or Well, they all stuck out to me. I mean, like I say, uh, uh, like when Metal Gear 4 came out and he was talking about privatized military companies, it was like right at the beginning of, of when BlackRock was, was doing their thing in Iraq. And, and mm-hmm. so, like I say, having followed the news and science the way I do, I'm always impressed whenever we take on a new game and, uh, yeah. and it's, you know, 10 years ahead of where we're going to be. And um, so, yeah, so that stuck out to me. But I mean, the stuff that really sticks out to me are the emotional moments and the death of Sniper Wolf, the final battle of Naked Snake against the boss, um, mm. going back to Shadow Moses Island and Metal Gear 4, mm. like those are the things that really move me. Like that's, you know, the rest, the technological stuff is interesting and fun and gives it some verisimilitude, but uh, it's the emotional impact that, that Kojima creates that is uh, that really means something to me, that really sticks with me. Nitro, didn't you say on the last episode too, like on that scene, you know, specifically, it's like, you you know, you can never really go home again. That's kind of like yeah, the, the thing that he yeah. was trying to go for. That's that seems like sort of the the message there is that, you know, you can sort of revisit your past, but it's not it's never going to be the same. I'm sorry. Of, 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 oh. When you revisit Shadow Moses there on in MGS4. Yeah, yeah it's, and it's all a, trashed and old. And yeah, it's. Uh, yeah, I think that's really poignant and it's just good storytelling. It's, it, I mean, it's, it's kind of like going back to your hometown after leaving for like 20 years. Yeah. Yes. I'm rereading it right now. And the adults are coming home and they're seeing their old town that they lived in, you know, 27 years earlier. And it's all about how you can still see the, the bones of the old town underneath all the new stuff, you know, and it's just creepy and yeah. awesome. Yeah, you definitely uh, been been tweeting a lot about you know Stephen King and how it's pretty much your your favorite writer, right? So, oh yeah, there's nothing nobody compares to the King as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, yeah, I'm obsessed. I I I read every single thing of his I can get my hands on. 
I've been tracking down short stories I never read and ordering vintage magazines to to read them. Oh, that's really cool. Yeah, it's fun. I really like Cell. Have you read Cell? Yeah, oh yeah. If, if you've so, read it, I've read it. I don't know anyone else who's read it. Yeah, I don't know anyone <laughs> else who's read it, and I really love that book. Yeah, it was cool. It's just, it's a, yeah, cool Stephen King take on the zombie genre. And yeah, I liked it quite a bit. I think uh, my favorite thing by Stephen King, this is a bit weird, but he wrote a short story called The Jaunt. Oh, yeah. It's forever in there. I love that. Yeah. God, that'll, that'll turn your hair white. It, yeah, literally, it's the jaunt is terrifying. Terrifying. Yeah, Stephen King was the first author I read where, like, I, I thought his, I, I don't know if it's going to be embarrassing to admit, but I find his writing so scary that I was, like, actually afraid to turn the page and continue. I'm like, if I just, <laughs> if I just stay here, I'm safe. Right, right. <laughs> then he can't get me. Well, I was, uh, I don't know if I've ever told this story publicly before, but I was 15 years old. I was living in Canada and I was reading Salem's Lot for the first time. And there's a, you know, the main vampire is named Barlow. And my dad had read it uh, and recommended it to me. So I was reading it. It was about, it's about midnight. You know, everybody in the house is asleep. And I've got my cat at the foot of the bed curled up at my feet. And my, and my legs, you know, uh, I got a book on my knees and I'm just reading it. And it's just gripping and terrifying. And my dad, slams open my bedroom door and goes it's barlow like this and i shrieked and kicked my feet out the cat went flying off the end of the bed book went flying into the air and i'm like what is wrong with you <laughs> so uh so that was pretty fun and, and definitely an example of being in the grips of a horrifying book what's that book you always talk about uh nitrate blindside oh blindside who's that uh, Peter Watts, if you want to, there was a reviewer once who, who said something like, if I ever feel my will to live, uh, is too strong. I read Peter Watts. What, uh, I'm sorry, blind sight, S I G H T. Yeah. Blind yeah. sight. Um, it's a, it's sort of a hard science fiction horror novel. Um, and I just can't tell you anything about it. You just got to go in. Bl- uh, well, so blind. it may, it, um, so it makes you wish you weren't alive. Like it, it's it's disturbing. It's a, yeah, existentially very disturbing. It sort of uh, is uh, a study on consciousness. Uh, and the the writer is is um, he's he's got a PhD in marine biology, and just he brings a lot of that into the writing to make it very real. And um, it can be a lot That's a cool. little long winded at times with how with how detailed it gets, but the the sense it sort of leaves you with is just. Oh my god! Like I yeah, will, I can't. I can't I even tell you out. anything. I can't even. Tell I understand. You. I'll, I will check it out. But I will. I will recommend that book until until the day I die. Uh, I'm going to hold you to that. <laughs> uh, no, I will check it out. Thank you for the recommendation. I I do have one question. If you could uh, indulge me on something, uh, yeah, and sure. I'm, I'm sorry to ask this. Would you mind saying hi to my son real quick? Because he really wants. Hi to my son. Uh, Yeah. Say hi. Hello. I exist. This is Solid Snake. How are you? (laughs) They have to have done some sort of editing to the voice. No, that's it. No, that's that's him. He does that on his own. No, that's just me. Really? Yeah, it comes out of my face like this. How do you know? 
How do you know Metal Gear? My dad. Yes, and, that's the right answer. And what games have you played? Uh, I've tried to get you to play. I'm going to start playing them when yeah, I you, get a yeah, time to. He, they, you know how hard it is to get your kids into the stuff you like? So start with Fortnite. It's a misery. <laughs> well, you can play uh, Super Smash Brothers because it's showtime. I mean, I kind of play CSGO too. But that's not in CSGO. I know that, but I'm going to... <laughs> I know you're not into that, but that's kind of what I've been playing right now. <laughs> I'm sorry, which one? Trust me, I will, I will Counter go to... Counter-Strike. Oh, Counter-Strike. I will go to Metal Gear. I will. Well, I appreciate it. You've got a lot of great games ahead of you. And uh, I'm sorry your dad is pushing, pushing my games <laughs> so fervently. <laughs> Oh, man. <laughs> you good, bud? Did you hear that? Nice yeah, ride? He, See ya. Yeah, I heard it. Boy alone. See ya. All right. Bye, bye. Nice meeting you. Nice to cool. meet you. <laughs> well, David, yeah, we really appreciate you, man. Thank you for all you've done for the fandom, you know, in and outside of the recording booth. You've you've just been a, a really cool guy. Uh, we can't wait to meet you at MGS Con, too. It's, it's going to be a great time. Uh, it's going to be so fun. Thank you for having me here. And, uh, can't wait to see you all. Yeah, uh, again, thank you so much. Uh, real quick before you go, uh, two last quick questions. Um, what's it like working with Hideo Kojima? And uh, how do I get into voice acting? Yeah, damn it. Fingers, Days Ahead, Nitroid, and Apache Smith. I fucked it up. Apache Smith. I know, I know, I know. <laughs> I'm gonna, I'm gonna call you that. I'll, now. I'll take it. I'll take it. <laughs> I'm gonna call Apache Smith till the day I die. Now. Oh, no, no, I know. David Hayter got it right. Everyone else was getting it wrong. Sorry. I was just too polite. <laughs> I love Super Smith Brothers Melee. <laughs> Super Smith Brothers. Uh, I apologize. Let me start again. Uh, all good. You're all good. <laughs>